Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Five Tool Podcast with Seamus and the Butcher. Um, we're coming live at you from Madison, Wisconsin. We're recording this one in person, so we hope that the quality is a little better for you. We've worked out a, a few of the kinks. We're still working on a few more. Um, Butcher, how are you doing? You good? I'm not doing too bad myself. You good? Butcher's good. I'm good. We're going to start right off and talk about last night's game. I actually didn't initially want to talk too much about last night's game coming into this, but, I mean, when you got a 13-10 game like that with the pitching struggles, with, with, the, with the local nine just raking from the plate last night, um, there's just too much to talk about. So I, I'd, I'd really like to focus on that. Um, I want to start off by asking you, Seamus, um, who, who was the star last night's game? There were so many contributors between Orlando Arcia, which we will talk about a lot later. You got Lorenzo Cain getting a hit. You got Granny getting Granny Man. You're the Yasmanian Devil getting a home run. Ryan Braun, Perez getting some. Yelich getting some. Just about everybody's taking a piece. So who last night would you say was the star of the game, Seamus? I'd have to say just on production alone, you get you got to give it to Arcia. He's, he's finding his swing. Um, he's, he's really working that, that oppo swing and... Uh, he he had a fantastic night at the plate, and his defense is always is you know second to none. So, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, he he, he I, like I said, we're going to talk a little more about Arcia later. I have a I have a lot to talk about, not just Orlando Arcia, but the perception of fans around the Brewers and how they feel about Orlando Arcia. And I mean, we all know about his incredible defense. And we all know about his struggles at the plate, but I mean, if you got to look at his plate appearances from the beginning of the year this year, he, he's not he's not mess, he's not swinging at those O two outside sliders that are low and away, which was which was a poison for him him and Jesus Aguilar last season, and he's he's taking more pitches he, he's he's driving up the pitch counts on his at bats, and. He, you re, you can just see even on his foul balls that he's making hard contact and that he's he's really come a long way and I I don't know if it's the new pitching coach out of Chicago, Haynes that that's working with him but I've seen a lot of improvement not just with him but with a lot of the hitters in this lineup. What do you think? Oh, I I agree. They uh, the the approach all the way around, top to bottom of the order, very patient. They're 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 looking. They know what they want to hit. And they've got a better eye all the way around. They're not, they're they're waiting on what they want. And when they get down to two strikes, they know that they can foul off a pitch and keep themselves alive till they get the pitch that they want to hit. Yeah, it, it it's hard to say whether it's it is the new the new hitting coach that's in place with the Brewers, or if it's just the fact that this team has had more time to work together, and or if it's just just gradual development that every major league hitter goes through but they they seem to be firing on all cylinders and it was Chris I, I mean Seamus I know it was satisfying for you and many many Brewers fans to see Eric Thames get a three-run blast last night he was so it, it felt really good to see that after striking out seven times in his first nine plate appearances this season oh it was it was absolutely a thing of beauty and you know I watching it on TV last night just the look of satisfaction on his face as he rounded first base, it was it was a combination of a satisfied look and and a look of relief, kind of like that weight was gone. And from from second from first to second, you could see his his whole body language just really relax. Yeah, and and him too, even in the in the strikeouts that he's had. 
I mean, we he did have a big spring, and and I'm seeing a lot more patience with with him at the plate as well. I think that's a, a defining characteristic of of the eight games we've seen from the Brewers that so far this season is patience at the plate and dominating, like not not letting a pitcher get in your head, get in their head. That patience is what gets into pitchers' heads, and that's what's going to throw a guy off. And it's already intimidating for any pitcher coming into Miller Park. So I'd like to see Eric Thames do it outside of Miller Park as well. Um, I don't know if it was you, but somebody brought it up to me that they were surprised that uh, Eric Thames didn't play more in that Cincinnati Reds series because he has such good statistics against the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, that that's a really good point. I I was kind of I don't I don't think I was the one that mentioned it to you, but I do agree with that. I thought he would have been much more of a of a presence because his numbers there are as good as they are. I mean, I he's going to come around. He they they got to go with what works. I mean, and based on last season, obviously, Jesus is going to get the majority of the playing time. And they're going to fit Thames in where he can with, with Braun's offense, with the the offense of the outfield in general, and Jesus earning that spot at first, where he is positioned. It's it's going to affect him, but he'll get his swings, he'll get his at bats. Yeah, with the, uh, it's interesting that, because both of our first basemen have been having a little bit of a struggle at the plate so far this year, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean. A lot of guys, I'm sure, I mean, I said it on the first pa- pa- podcast, chopping block Eric Thames. He was my first chopping block, and, and now I'm loving the guy again. I mean, he gave a home run. I'm, I'd like to see him get some more plate appearances, especially if Jesus Aguilar is not not contributing in the plate, at the plate as well, though we know Jesus Aguilar is a far superior defender, at least I think so, than Eric Thames. Well, and, and the other thing is that with, with both Thames and Aguilar struggling, a little bit at this point. The other thing, and we haven't seen it yet, but it would not surprise me if we do see it, if they continue to struggle, is you've got Shaw at third, you've got Moose at second, and right now Perez is riding the pine pony. If Thames and Aguilar both struggle, I can see Shaw coming back over to first, Moose will take third, and Perez will get some playing time at second, and they'll be able to still round that. That's the beauty of the roster that we have, is we have those chess pieces that we can utilize if any one of our guys goes into a slump. Yeah, I really like that idea of of um, Travis Shaw potentially playing some first base this season, especially when Keston here comes up. Well, and a lot of, a lot of people may not realize this, but when Travis Shaw got drafted by the Red Sox, he came up through their minor league system as their first baseman. He learned in AAA in Pawtucket how to play third because that was where the need was at the time because when he was coming up, they had Hanley Ramirez that they were trying out at first base. Hanram. And they, who I think he's actually on a team this year. I'll have got- to do a little bit of research, but I'm pretty sure he's actually found a team. But you had Hanram getting learning th- learning first base, and then they had picked up Mitch Moreland, Mitchy Two Bags, to be their first sacker. So they needed to put Shaw over at third because he had hit the ceiling. So um, <clears throat> the the ability to have that, like I said, the the chess pieces that we've got is um, there. 
they're uh, they're in a really good spot to be able to utilize a lot of people and a lot of things. So I, I think that's a big benefit. Yeah, uh, Hanley Ramirez, I believe he's in a minor league deal, right? Oh, it looks like he is he is up with the with the Cleveland Indians. Ah, go tribe. Go tribe. Good for, good for Hanram. Good for Hanram. I, I, I liked him as a player. You know, he, he was another kid. I watched him coming up through the Red Sox system. He got moved in the uh, Mike Lowell, Josh Beckett deal, which netted the Sox a, a World Series in 2007. But he was their face of the future. He was going to be the one that replaced Noma. Noma. So I I I am also a Hanram fan. I I was actually thinking that he was kind of going to be. Uh, I was hoping. I was. It was a pipe dream. Um, that I was hoping maybe the Brewers <laughs> would pick him up as kind of like that Curtis Granderson last year, like the your veteran guy who just has a a knack to to hit in timely situations. And Hanley Ramirez has proved to be the the type of guy. So that's kind of a pipe dream. That I've that I've had for a while. Um, and that's the benefit of having a Red Sox fan on the podcast. You gave us that nice background about Travis Shaw playing playing first base or coming up playing a first base. I, I also want to give a little love to the Asmanian Devil for his home run last night. It's nice to see him. It was not only nice to see him hit the home run, but it was also very nice to see um, the the reaction of the team rallying around Yasmani Grandal. Because he did struggle a little bit at the beginning of the year, and he, a lot of Brewers fans had qualms about him coming to the team because they saw the small sample size of the National League Championship Series. So, um, the next thing I'd like to talk about is the team that we clobbered last night. Well, essentially, I mean, it was it was a, it was a tight game. The pitching was awful for the for both sides, especially for the Brewers started last. I mean, for the Cubs started last night. Jose Quintana who got hammered for eight runs. Eight earned runs, which tied the most that he had ever given up in a, in a ball game. Yeah, up, in, up until last night, he had, what was it, like a 1-6-2? Against the Brewers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. I can't say that that's going to be the Jose Quintana we see all season long. You get nothing! You lose! Good day, sir! Pretty oh. much. But, um... I, you know, I, I can't say that that's, that's going to be what, what we're in for all year long, but he, he did not look good. And so far this season, the Cubs pitching staff does not look good. Um, and it's not helping them that their, hit, their hitters aren't really doing a whole lot. I mean, Rizzo's struggling. Well, Bryant's the- struggling. Javi Baez is not the Javi Baez that everybody said he was supposed to be last year. And I really didn't even think he was everything that they were saying he was last year either. That's just my opinion. But, you know, there's there's a lot going wrong with the Cubs. Um, do I think that they'll figure it out? Yes. Do I think they'll figure it out before they've reached the point of no return? That's going to be the question with the Cubs this year. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing as a Brewers fan to see what's happening to the Cubs right now, especially after their dominance of, of the National League Central over the past few years, the World Series title, the back-to-back National League Championship Series. It's, it's, it's satisfying to see. But, yeah, what is going on with them? It, it, 
it's it's so much more satisfying because the way David Stearns has built the Brewers by not making those big splash starting pitcher signings. He's made some big signings, of course, and trades for the for the lineup. But I mean, he went and got Yulis Chassin, who's been our most dependable pitcher since we signed him in the starting rotation, and and the Cubs went out and got Jose Quintana. They got um, Tyler Chatwood. They got Cole Hamels. They got Cole Hamels. And they they spent that him. big money on you, Darvish. And you and the we almost had, we almost got poisoned with that, but thank God we have the brilliant Jew in David Stearns. Yeah, we we almost got slammed both with. There was a lot of talk about us going after you, Darvish, and we almost got Quintana at the trade deadline last year. Right. And Rock and BA were talking about that yesterday. Um, and what what could we be looking at? I mean, right now. We've got a lot of people 90 miles to the south of Milwaukee that, that need this little piece of a... There's no crying in baseball! They need to be reminded of that. Because right now, the people on the north side of Chicago are losing their minds. Yeah, I mean, they are 1-7. and seven. Is that is that right? One and seven, one and eight. I be, I believe so. And actually, you mentioned that the fact that they weren't hitting, but really coming into this series, the Cubs had scored more runs than the Milwaukee Brewers, but they had lost many more games. I was at uh, I was gonna side note. I was at George Webb's at about uh, three thirty this morning, and a group they are of, one and six, one and six, I, and a group of drunkards stumbled their way in, and they said, "There's a lady Pam working there," and they said, "Hey, Pam." <laughs> Brewers scored 13 runs. Does that mean we get $10 for 10 burgers for 10 bucks? <laughs> it's pretty entertaining, but yeah, they got their burgers. She wasn't too happy. She didn't want to cook for them. Shout out to Pam at the West Bend George Webbs. <laughs> so yeah, um, moving on. We talked about we talked more than enough about the Cubs for the next year. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to focus too much on them. They're terrible. They're absolutely terrible. Moving on to my chopping block. As you know, in the last show, Eric Thames is in my chopping block. He's moved, I've moved his head off of the, the guillotine, in essence. And I'm moving in. Really, I'm going specifically with Orlando Arcia haters. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Now, I'm very active on Brewers fan pages on, on Facebook and Twitter and I'm very vocal about my love for this team. I am not a negative fan. I think we kind of talked about that in the first podcast as well. I'm a very positive fan. Point of order. The man is sitting across from me right now in his beautiful Orlando RC jersey. Crisp and clean. So fresh and so clean. Get on my level, people. Anyways, so as the game's going on, I'm talking to some of my fellow Brewers fans, and Arcia pokes his head. They're still hating. He pokes another hit. Or then he pick, pokes the home run. They're still hating. Then he pokes, Oppo! Then he pokes, yeah, both of his home runs opposite field this year, by the way. And then he pokes another hit. His, his, he went three for three last night. Two ribbies. He got the walk, too. So in four at-bats, he reached base every single time. He got a dinger. I mean, what, what more can you want? And, and like I mentioned earlier, you can see it in his foul balls. You can see it in his... In what he's swinging at and what he's not swinging at. So I, I got in a little argument with this gentleman, and I just want to point out we don't win game 163 last year without Orlando Arcia going four for four. Fact. These people, you you negative fans out there, you're not wearing that NL Central Division champ shirt right now 
that you probably haven't washed in six weeks if it weren't for Orlando Arcia. So can you can you leave your hate at the door? Can we just appreciate the fact that we have a ball club that's 7-1 and one right now, leading the division, we're on a six-game winning streak, and everybody is contributing. And you want and you want to talk about how Brandon Woodruff has a better a better slash line right now than Orlando Arcia. Well, Orlando Arcia is our shortstop. He navigates that defense. He navigates that shift. Him and Craig Council work hard together on that shift. And I know that he didn't have a great defensive war last year, but but he's in on every play, and he's navigating that shift, and he's owning it and ruling it. And and his his if his hitting doesn't get to two fifty, would you still take him? What do you think, Chris? If 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 Orlando RC is a, a two thirty hitter, are you going to keep him on the team? Defense alone says yes, because his defense is like I had said earlier. His defense is second to none, and we have bats in the lineup that can pick up his slack if he dips. You know, I at this point. Yes, I want to see him produce at the plate, but his offensive production, in my opinion, is secondary over what he gives us at defense. I'm with you. So here's the, the question I want to pose to you and to the fans. It's a very specific one, but I think it's one we might, may encounter at some point this year. Would you rather have Orlando Arcia hitting two thirty three, or and doing his amazing defensive things that he does on an everyday basis, or Mauricio Dubon hitting 286, but you, you have le, uh, less control over that defense. You have, a, you have a young kid who hasn't played a lot of big league ball navigating a defense. Plan. If RC is hitting 233, I keep him in the lineup. If his batting average dips below two and a quarter, I've really got to give it some thought. Yeah, that's just that's just my opinion. That's just me being honest. Um, I don't think we're gonna see him get sent down again this year. But I do think that if he does start to struggle, you'll see him get a little bit of time off so that he can focus on more swings in the cages, and hopefully it'll end up just being a temporary fix, and he'll be able to get back on the horse. But if that batting average dips below 225, I think you've got to look at addressing that. How the Brewers choose to do it yet, I really don't know. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to put up with another season of 215 or, or lower. I don't want to, Nobody wants to see him dip below the Mendoza line, and I, will, I defend him more than anybody out there. I'm, I'm, I've been loving Orlando Arcia for a very long time as a ball player, and I have nothing but faith in him, but I agree. If it goes below 215, we can't put up with that again unless we're scoring a million runs throughout the entire season, which is not going to happen. It's, it's baseball. But I think as, as fans, we also have to remember that this is not football. These guys aren't coming straight out of college and contributing on a, on a, on a, on a big league team right away. They, baseball is a game of developing. Hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in any of the major sports, especially a fastball. And... And it's just something that takes time. And the kid is 24 years old. Okay? Some guys don't even make it to the big leagues till 25, 26. If Orlando RC can get it together, he could be our Frankie Lindor. Moving on. 
So Chris, we we didn't get this get to this in the last podcast. We meant to, and I also threw away our predictions. So we are going to do our season predictions right now. Um, we're going to start off with the National League MVP. Who's going to take it home? We've only seen eight games, small sample size, so I don't think we're too far into the season right now to be making these calls. So who who do you pick as the National League MVP? If I remember from our conversation, as much as I think Yelich can repeat... Actually, no. What I, I, I'm going to stick with that. I, I think Yelich will repeat. I mean, a lot of people in baseball are saying that Lorenzo Cain is going to have a better year. Um, I think he will. I think he'll get his gold glove that he was denied last year. But I, I think if, if Yelich is do, does for the rest of the season what we're already seeing him do right now, I think we've got a two-time MVP sitting in that, in that locker room. Yeah, I preface this by saying I, that, that the small sample size so far of this year isn't isn't good. Shouldn't sway our opinions too much. But what we've seen of Christian Yelich so far this year, we might we might just see another one. Like I, I he it, he's got no let off. He's got he does not take his foot off the gas, and the guy is seeing the ball as as good as anyone we've ever seen. And so I, I can't dispute you on that. I'm not going to pick the same guy as you. I'm going to pick the same guy that I initially picked. So you're picking Christian Yelich. I'm picking the same guy I picked, which is Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies. Um, I actually haven't followed any Rockies baseball so far this year, so I don't know how Arenado is going to... Turned a good double play last night. Turned a good double play. Uh, we all know that he is probably the best third baseman in, in, in the National League, and he is a consistent... Slugger, a consistent hitter. His OPS is always in the, in the eight nine hundreds. I mean, you're never going to see him dip below that eight hundred level. So my pick is Nolan Arenado for the National League MVP. Yeah, he was uh, on. Uh, I think it was round trip. I was watching that late last night or early this morning, whenever it was, and they interviewed him, and he had actually said, you know, he he feels confident that he's going to be able to produce at the plate, and he wants to focus on being a better defender. And I think he's a, I think he's a pretty decent third baseman, as it as it stands right now. But you know, baseball players and perfection, and they're never happy with what they're doing. But he turned a beauty of a double play last night. Started it with a dive, right to the hole, got got the throw to second. I believe Bellinger was the one on play on on base, and then turned it and took out Justin Turner at first. It was a it was a thing of beauty. Excellent. AL MVP. As a Red Sox fan, my heart wants either Mookie Betts or J.D. Martinez, but I think... You're living in last year, buddy. I think, well, I, that, I'm telling you, that's my heart. But I, I think his extension is going to give Trout a boost, and I think Trout will get another MVP. Well, there's... <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I think I think that's a safe pick for anyone to pick. Mike Trout, another home run last night. Another home run. Two last night, I believe. No, he had one last night and one the night before. Unless unless he had one after I stopped watching. I don't know that, folks. I, I, I had to get to bed to record this for you. My pick is going to be Mike Trout. I can't pick the same player as you. Why can't you? Because we got to go bold. So my pick for the American League MVP. Whew, this is tough. Can't go Trout. I think you can, but 
If you don't want to, I'm fine. I'm going Trout. I'm going Trout. I got other bold predictions for you folks. That hurt. <laughs> National League Cy Young winner of the 2019 season. Seamus, who you got? Who you got? Ah, uh, who did I pick? I know why I picked you, but not. I remember who I picked. Pick him, I'll kill you. Because you told me that I was nuts when I said it. But I'm sticking with it. I think Walker Bueller's going to win the Cy Young. Bueller's. He's going to have a better year than Clayton Kershaw. He's going to have better numbers all the way around. And I think Walker Bueller is going to have a fantastically standout season this year. I like a lot of what I see in Walker Bueller. I think he is going to be the stud for the Los Angeles Dodgers for the for years to come. I agree he's going to have a better year than Kershaw. I hope Kershaw, I mean, he's at, he made a relief appearance yesterday, or I mean, a, an appearance in the minors yesterday. I believe it went fairly well. And they said he's going to make one more, and then they're going to try to pitch Clayton Kershaw in a big league game. My my prediction is Jacob DeGrom is going gonna, is gonna to take his second in a row. And we have seen nothing but masterful work from that man. Nobody can hit him. Nobody can see him. He's, he's the Josh Hader of, of starting pitchers. And the Mets, they might actually get him a few more wins this year than 10. So I think he's going to win a Cy Young, and I think he's going to have a few more wins under his belt. And that's a solid pick. I, I see absolutely nothing wrong with going in that direction. Um, I think it would be interesting if it does end up that last year's MVP and Cy Young winners in the NL end up being this year's MVP and Cy Young winners. Um, I don't know if that's ever happened before. Where both... Um, <clears throat> where both players have done it back-to-back. So, I think that I think it'll be interesting to see if it happens. I agree. I, I think he's on, a, on pace to have just another incredible season. Um, so, uh, my next question for you, I, I want to get to the AL Cy Young, but first I want to ask you, who would win in an arm wrestling contest, Bernie Brewer or Sophia Minner? Sophia. Sophia. I, I, she's, she's a beast. I was she's lo- a force. I was looking at her guns last night when she was interviewing Aaron on Perez, and I think even he was kind of backing up. He was Yeah, she's, he she is her. an absolute force down there on the field. Yeah, and. If, if you put her in a uniform and give her a spot in the batting order, she'd rake. Oh, all day long. But. In an arm wrestling match, to absolutely. Bernie, Bernie, I don't think has a chance. Yeah, I think Bernie is going to. End up needing like some carpal tunnel surgery afterwards. Bernie, the the other thing with Bernie is, as devoted as that man is, he doesn't take anything in life seriously. <laughs> he drinks a lot, I think. I I, 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 agree I think he has you. a problem. I think I saw him in an AA meeting one time. Actually, he he looked really rough. Actually, so who's your pick for the AL Cy Young, Seamus? The AL Cy Young. Now I just had this. Um, oh my goodness, I just had On the spot. Uh, I can get my pick. My pick is Jose Barrios for the Minnesota Twins. This guy's been, he's been, he's a young kid. Um, 
He hasn't been up for long, but he uh, he's made a couple starts this year. He's looking really good. He's got a one eight one eight four ERA in two games, fourteen innings pitched, fourteen and two thirds, and fourteen strikeouts. His WHIP is point six eight. I love this young Twins team, and I'm going to try to catch a ball game up there this year. And I think yeah, my pick is the twenty four year old Jose Barrios for the Minnesota Twins. What are you thinking? Who you got? Um, man, you're hard. This is you're, you're tough. That's what she said. Careful now. Um, we got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give it to. I mean, right now it's not all that. His ERA isn't all that great, but uh, Marco Gonzalez in, in Seattle. He is. He is a force, man, and and he had he got the start this year over Felix Hernandez. I believe Felix Hernandez was nursing an injury, which was a big deal for that team because Hernandez had I think believe started the last eleven opening days, eleven or twelve, something like that. Yeah, the yeah. Long, I think the longest stretch of consecutive openers. Yeah, I think that I think that's a good solid pick. I I I, I got to see him pitch a little bit. I mean, right now he's he's three and zero. I mean, his ERA is a little high, sitting at three twenty, even in the AL. But that'll that'll level itself out. He's got eleven strikeouts. His WHIP is already at a one point one seven. Um, the kid, the kids, the kid's a fireballer. And given that Seattle, now I think Seattle's going to do much better than than a lot of people. They're going to fall off sooner than later. I I I'm still sticking with it. I don't see it. Rebuild, you know, um, but given that there isn't there isn't a lot of expectations out at T-Mobile Park, um, which still sounds weird to say. The pink, Ugh. that's another topic. <laughs> um, but oh. because there aren't a, there aren't a lot of expectations coming out of Seattle right now, so I think he's going to be able to fly under the radar. He's going to be able to just keep producing, keep putting up decent numbers, and I think he's going to surprise some people. Yeah, I think he's going to be a big factor this year. Uh, I think Chris, I mean Seamus, I think you, you've you been blindsided by the fact that the Mariners took out the Red Sox in such horrible fashion that you think that for some reason the Mariners are going to be really good this year just because they've won a bunch of games. But, I mean, the Red Sox were playing bad. And, and they are in a rebuild, and I think it would be a huge mistake if the Seattle Mariners started to try to sign guys to win something this year because they are in rebuild mode, and I think they need to stick with that. I'm going to blindside you now. We didn't discuss this topic at all, but I think it's one, because I'm being selfish and I have a great pick for this one, that I want to do this topic. So who do you think is going to be the most improved player in Major League Baseball this year? Most improved player. If you need a second, I will give you my pick, and you're going to be really mad at me for it. <laughs> Why do I always cringe when you say that? You would you like me to give you my pick? Oh yeah. I think a lot of people might be a little testy about it, but I think we should all be happy for this guy. Domingo Santana for the those Seattle Mariners is just killing it. He's got four home runs. He's got a grand slam. He's he's just killing it. And a lot of I've talked to a few people and they're like, oh screw Domingo Santana. He's not a brewer anymore, but. Listen, we had a log jam in the outfield. We had an absolute log jam in the outfield when we signed Kane and, and we got the trade for Yalich. There was no room for your Keon Broxton, who's so good at center field. And there was no room for Domingo Santana, who's so good at slugging. He hit 30 home runs for us in 2017, That's Domingo true. Santana. That's it, true. It, it's like 
man, I'm loving what he's doing. We're talking, he, he's got 11 hits and 37 plate appearances. He's got four dingers. He's batting 297. I mean, that was an issue for him. I mean, he was, he was striking out a lot, but hitting a lot of home runs with the Brewers. And the guy, you just knew, you knew watching him with the Brewers that this guy was going to become a star. I still feel the same way about Keon Broxton. Keon Broxton dealing with a, dealing with a lot of Orlando Arcia struggles with the not being able to be patient at the plate, but you but amazing defensive skills. So my my pick for sure. I mean, he's got a one oh six five OPS right now in thirty seven plate appearances. Domingo Santana absolutely raking for that that first place Seattle Mariners team. Who do you, seven and two? It's no joke. Yeah, you chuckle, you snicker at me, but dude, there's something going on out there. Some. Maybe it's the pink. The pink. Maybe it's the pink. I don't know, but there's something going on out there in the Pacific Northwest. I think what I think what you're gonna see is here's the metaphor I'll use: is they win a bunch of games, so it'd be like two in the pink, and then at the end of the season, it'll be one in the stink. Oh, a little bit of shocker. Yeah, shocker action for that. For that booty. I just I I think they're they're gonna do better than a lot of people are projecting them. As far as my most improved, I think it's big going from big market to small market. Um, yeah, there's a lot of expectations with the ball club because of a lot of the moves that they made during the off season. But big market to small market, getting out of the spotlight, getting away from getting away from pinstripes. And being just allowed to go out there, toe the rubber, and throw. Sonny Gray is going to come back this year. Yeah, I, li- I like Sonny Gray. That would be really cool to see him. I haven't. I, I know he's made a, a few starts. I'm not sure how they've gone so far this year. I, I don't like the fact that he's going to have a comeback year in the NL Central. Because some of those comeback stats, are I, I have a feeling, are going to be against our, our Cream City crew. But... Sonny Gray's going to have a much better year this year than he did his his last couple in the Bronx. Right, he's another um, he's another player, a pitcher that we we were hoping that would maybe end up here. I wanted him back. I think we I think we all did, but I think we we have to rest. I mean, in Stearns, we trust is the motto we live by here at the Five Tool Podcast, and I mean, if you're not going to spend a lot of money and you're still going to make it to the National League. <laughs> Championship series. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be mad that he didn't sign Sonny Gray. I was talking to a guy last night, and he's like, "Yeah, I hope we go make a move for Madison Bumgarner half the way through the year." And I'm like, "Can't you just be happy? We're winning. We're not. We don't have to make that big splash move every. Like everyone always wants to see that. Um, everyone wants to see the big splash move because they want because they it gives them a reason to go to the game and to be excited. But I, I think seven and one and leading. The division is more than enough reading reason to be excited. Best winning percentage in baseball. Yeah, and it's the second best start that the Brewers have ever had as an organization. Yep, so, best start since '87. So give them some love, people. Let's not. We don't need Madison Bumgarner. I'm sorry, and especially we don't need to go and sign somebody in their 30s right now. We don't need to age this team any more than necessary. Because what if we sign Madison Bumgarner? What kind of deal are you going to give him? You're going to give him a one year. Why do you want to spend that much money on one year of Madison Bumgarner? What if he doesn't produce in that one year? Maybe he'll hit you a couple home runs, but that's a hitter's park in Miller Park, and I'm talking really fast. But people frustrate me, Jameis. People frustrate me. <laughs> so. I, I'm i not saying we aren't going to get an arm. We might get a couple of arms by the trade deadline. I don't know if it's going to be a big splash, high-dollar starting pitcher. We did everything that we did last year 
And what arms did we get? We got relievers. We shored up the bullpen. We gave counsel extra options because at that point he was already implementing the five innings for a starter. Yeah, the the no go through the rotate the word the guys aren't going through the the lineup the third time through, and th- face it, people, that is not only the Brewers' strategy. That's the strategy. That's becoming that's, the norm. The strategy for baseball, and that's why they're going to implement the three batter minimum in the next couple of years because that's the strategy. You don't. I mean, the statistics are clear as day that when a pitcher goes through that lineup the third time, that they're gonna they're gonna get hit on. It's just the numbers show it, and. That's that's the brilliance of our favorite Jew and David Stearns is that he he recognized that and he utilized it to the fullest by bringing guys up, bringing guys down, using and using the relievers because when you get those solid relievers and that solid bullpen, your starters don't need to go as long. And when you're hitting like the Brewers, your starters don't need to go as long. Am I right I, or am I right? Oh yeah, I, and I love that you refer to him as our favorite Jew because that means that the Hebrew hammer's been knocked down a little bit. Yeah, well the Brewers, <laughs> I mean, there shouldn't be any. There shouldn't be any Nazi Brewers fans because we should all love the Jewish race as Brewers fans because they've done so much for our team. So, in the words of one of my favorite bands, the Dead Kennedys, Nazi punks, fuck off. I'm not going to ask if you've seen the new Ramstein video. I haven't all followed right, that. All right, all right, all right. I've not seen the new Ramstein video. I'm not big of the German metal techno scene. Who's going to win the AL East? Seamus. I think they're going to turn it around, and I think you're going to see back-to-back division champs in the Red Sox. Actually, this will be back-to-back-to-back. Seamus likes to act like he knows what losing is like, even though his Red Sox and his Patriots have won, like, 700 titles in the last 10 years. (laughs) 708. It's it's been there. He likes to pretend he knows what shame and, like, losing is like. I do know what shame and losing is like. Um, I, am, I went through Bill Buckner for fuck's sakes. <laughs> oh, yeah, he that was a great play. Um, I'm going with the Yankees because I hate you. Just kidding, I don't hate you, but it makes it more fun, and uh, the Yankees are really good. So. Now the trajectory is now. This is going to be the shortest podcast in history because we're never going to get along now. <laughs> <laughs> Put At you least up. we'll always have the Brewers. Put you on the chopping block. Who's going to win the Central of the American League? I'm sticking with my call. The Twinkies are going to win the AL Central. That's a very bold prediction. Bold! Um, hey, I mean, that's a very crappy division. Let's just face it. It's, a, it's probably the worst in baseball. And Lindor... Is is he still injured or is he back? I'm pretty sure he is not back yet. But their pitching is not as dominant as it was. Lindor is injured, and that team is going to go the way Lindor goes. If if he gets healthy, then they got a chance. But if if you look if you look at what the, the Twins got going on, I mean, you picked the Cy Young winner. Coming out of the Twins rotation. Damn right. Call it. And you got you got that Buxton kid. Byron. I hope he's hitting this year. He's he, like Keon Broxton. He he deserves. I mean, a lot of people thought he was going. His breakout year was going to be last year, and 
the team sputtered, and I think that affected him. But if if they if they keep playing, and and they find a groove, and I've got I've got I've got a lot of friends after high school that are now over in the Twin Cities area, and I want you guys all to know: yes, I am picking the Twinkies to win your division. I'm going with Cleveland. You're right about that. The team goes the way that Frankie Lindor goes. Frankie is one of the he's one of the great. Like he's he's like your Mookie Betts, man. He's just a lovable guy. He's got that beautiful million dollar smile like Mookie. He's just a dreamboat, man. And I just I love the kid and I I, I like that Cleveland team. Rest in peace, Chief Wahoo. I think they're going to come through and win the division. It's a tight division right now to start. The Twins are looking good. Cleveland's looking good. Detroit's trying to fool people for some reason. I don't know what they're doing. Um, and the White Sox are a good team, too. So it's going to be an improved division. It really is. I mean, we'll see. But I think Cleveland's going to take the cake. Well, that, that White Sox game last night, it was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And Yohan Moncada kind of came back back to life and and he won that game for him but I I agree with you you know the Southsiders they're not they're not going to do much they're they're going to entertain people I think they're going to be baseball's most improved team like I said they're going to entertain people but they're not going to be they're not yet playoff contenders they're not even wild card contenders right now no no by all means I mean, I, I think they might make a little excitement towards the end of the year. Not a real wild card push, but they might. They, they're going to get exciting. I'm going to yeah. check. I'm going to check out a White Sox game this year. They're going to be entertaining. I've never been down to whatever the hell they're calling that place now. Comiskey. I still call it Comiskey. Comiskey. I've been there, and the times that I've been there, the uh, Red Sox fans have outnumbered the White Sox fans quite significantly. Yeah, I'm not actually going to see the White Sox. Well, I am, but I'm going down to see Mike Trout play oh, down in okay. September. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like a pilgrimage. You got to go see the ba 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 goat, <laughs> who will be the goat someday. The AL West. The AL West. I think Houston's going to take it again. I like Seattle. I like what they're doing. I think they're going to pick make Seattle. some noise. Um, they're going to be a great team. Don't get me wrong. I really see a lot of good things coming out of Seattle, but. Yeah, that Houston team right now is struggling. They're three and five, um, but that team—that's a—that's a juggernaut of a team down there, and I don't see them sitting toward the bottom of that division for very long. They're gonna—they're gonna catch a groove, and they're gonna be in the mix at the end of it. They're gonna win that division. They're gonna be in the playoff mix, the postseason. I'm going with the Astros. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be too long-winded on the AL West here. I'm surprised you didn't pick Seattle. I thought you were running for mayor, it seemed like. Um, yeah, uh, the Houston Astros are going to win the AL West, no, no questions asked. Um, if I would say anything else, my mom would be very disappointed in me because she, she thinks that she raised a, a generally intelligent person. So I'm going to go with Houston in the, in the AL West. Moving over to the NL East. Wait. Yeah, the NL East. It's going to be a tight race. Tight like a tiger. It's it's going to be tighter than a virgin's honeypot. But uh, I can tell you the team that's not going to be in that conversation. 
<laughs> it's going to be the Marlins. Jeets. They, I, I, I watched some highlights of that. The Marlins need to protest these new fucking uniforms. Well, they stole the they Brewers' look, M. They look like they're wearing gray pants and just a straight black t-shirt. You can't even see the logo or the numbers. Are they better or worse than the other ones? The, the previous ones, the colorful ones. I actually like those colorful you know, ones. The, the colors worked really well. I thought that was very South Beach. It was very, it's so South Beach, man. And they're, they're saying that the reason that they went with this new change is because they wanted to be more of South Beach. You can't be more of South Beach than aquamarine and orange. <laughs> this... Now they're gray, black, and whatever the hell it is. All right, this concludes... I'm sorry, folks. This concludes our Marlins coverage for the year. Right there. <laughs> We're done talking about the Marlins. Who's going to win the If East? you're hoping for more, sorry. I think it's going to come down to a three-team race. The Nets, the Phillies, and I'm saying the Braves are going to be in the mix at the end. Um, but, yeah, you got Scherzer and Strasburg in Washington, but I, I'm going to say the Phillies are going to take it. You're going to go with the Phillies and Harps? That's yeah, a, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Phils. Yeah, I, that that division is so exciting right now, and I'm obviously not the Marlins, but Philly, Philly's gonna be so good all year. The Mets are looking really good. That pitching staff has a huge wing. Atlanta with with Acuna and, and Ozzy Albies. And, oh my gosh, the it, youth in Atlanta. Like, yeah, I just want to sit and watch NL East games all year this year. It's gonna it's gonna be a, a lot. That's gonna be what, what you're gonna want to tune into this year. I am going bold. On this pick, and I'm going the Washington Nationals. I think they're going to win the division without without Bryce Harper, and it's because of the young kids and and your and the starting rotation and for that team. You got Juan Soto, he's a fucking stud. You got Victor Robles, he's a fucking stud. You still have Anthony Rendon. You got Steven Strasburg. You got Max Scherzer. They added Patrick Corbin in the off season. That's one, two, three. That could all be. Top of the line, Cy Young candidates on any team, and you got a one, two, three, and then you got that Mets pitching staff out there. You got Phillies pitching staff. Oh, I love that. At least they, they're getting me all kinds of hot and bothered. But I'm going with the Natty Ice to win that division. I'm going with the Senators or the Expos. Actually, I'm going with the Expos to win that. Long live the Expos. Long live the Expos. Much respect. And I know it's a bold prediction, and it's going to be a tight race, but I, I would love to see the Nats take it without Bryce Harper. I have nothing against Bryce Harper, but I think I think it, you, they needed to get rid of him. They made the right move, and, and they got a young core that's going to really take that team places, if not this year, but next year. But I picked them to win the division and to surprise a lot of people this year. Well, they're, I like I said, they're going to be in it. It's, I think it's going to be a three-team race. Uh, and the Nationals are going to be one of those teams, but I I see I see Philly coming through. Yeah, keep an eye on that that division this year. The National League Central, the other hot division to keep your eyes on this year. I mean, every team is in this one. You don't got a Marlins in this in this division. The the Homer in me is also the fan in me, and I'm I'm saying the Brewers are going to repeat. Yeah, I love that. And, and I don't care. I don't care if people say that that's because I'm being a homer. I think the Brewers are the team to beat. And for those of us that have watched this rebuild, 
from start to finish. This is what the Brewers were built to become. And when when the vision was laid down, it, it's not a one-year-and-done vision. It, the, the, the game plan, the timeline, the process, they're, they're going to be here for a lot of years. And I think last year was the first step in that, in that process. Brewers are going to take the Central. Yeah. I mean, you're right. This, this is the culmination of everything we've been all, all riding with the past few years. This, this is the season that's going to really define so far what this rebuild has become. I mean, 2017 almost making the playoffs wasn't supposed to happen. The National League Championship Series, I don't, it wasn't really in the plan for 2018, I don't think. I think it, we more than exceeded expectations last year. And 2019, like you said, this like you you were just saying this is this is this is how it was built to last a few years not to go the way of the cubs where you're spending all this money and if it doesn't work out you're kind of screwed that's why we're not getting that madison bumgarner like that's why we didn't go out and and really make a big push at Cindergard because we want to last we 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 want to have young guys we want to develop we and then we have our, our, our patchwork, Mike Moustakas's and your, your Chassines, who aren't going to be here a long time, but they're going to help us through, the, through for the time being. I picked, I picked last time we talked the Redbirds because... Yes, you did. Because I'm an, I am a Brewers fan my whole life, and I'm used to disappointment, and, and I've always been the type to never set my expectations too high for my team because I always want them to exceed my expectations. I alter my own psychology in, a, in an effort to not disappoint myself. But it's it's our podcast. I can do whatever the hell I want. I'm picking the Brewers. Bad a boy. And last but not least, that NL West, that uh, picky little NL West, who's going to win that one? You can't look past the Dodgers. Yep, the Dodgers I mean, are going to win it. They've won it six years in a row. Yep. I don't see that changing. Yep. They, they offloaded some talent, uh, but I don't think it's going to be. It's I don't think it's going to be enough of a make enough of a deficit to change their trajectory. Yeah, um, I don't have a family farm, but I'm willing to donate my left foot. Half the pocket went in my right pocket, and all the change that I have in my little car car cup full of change. I'm willing to bet all that on the Dodgers winning the NL West. Next, I we I we have about ten minutes left, folks. I really wanted to get more in depth on this topic, so we're gonna we I'm we're gonna do the this big, could be a two parter. We're gonna do the, we might be a two parter. This we're gonna do the big topic today, and we 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 touched on it a little bit last last time and my the topic I want to talk about is kind of centers around your Bryce Harpers your Manny Machados those players that you you hate to hate not even the ones you love to hate but the guys that you just can't stand watching uh Manny Machado stepping on Aguilar's foot in the NLCS um Bryce Previ- Harper's previous to that spiking Pedroia sliding into second knocking them out O's. yeah terrible stuff <clears throat> um so I, I wanted to get in depth a little bit on 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 why we hate those players, why those dirty players, when, when they're against us, we hate them so much, but when we got a guy who, who's a little more aggressive, we tend to root for them, uh, Carlos Gomez and, and, the, and, the, and the likes of such. What do you think, Seamus? Well, and, and you and I have talked at depth about Machado and Harper, and my, my bottom line has always been 
It's guys like that, you know. Yeah, they want they they get the big paydays, and you know people are are acknowledging their talent. But you look at the talent between compared to guys like Trout and Mookie Betts, and you compare them to the talent of guys like Machado and Bryce Harper. Um, they're all top level. USDA choice grade A ball players. The difference is Trout and Betts play because they play for the game. Machado and Harper play for themselves. That's what makes a player be a player that I just despise. Playing the game simply for yourself and what you can get out of it. That's what makes me not like Harper. Harper plays the game for himself alone. And that's that's where I kind of disagree. I don't I don't think that it's that we really have the power to go into these guys' heads and decide what they're playing for. We love to see a guy play hard when they're George Brett getting into fights all the time and Nolan Ryan getting crazy. Back in the day, we used to love that. We say that we love yesterday's game so much. But now when we see guys do it today, that, that aggressive or maybe a little dirty playing, a guy pitching it, throwing a ball inside to back a guy up or beaming a guy because he bat flipped, I mean, we say that that's not part of the game and that that's not tradition tradition of the game, but it really is. It's been tradition since since day one. I mean, Ty Cobb, look at him. I mean, a lot of people look at him as an asshole, and I think a lot of the stories about Ty Cobb are not true from what I from the research that I've done. But I mean, we can all decide how to feel about Ty Cobb the way we want to. And, but I feel like. I don't think Bryce Harper's a bad guy. I think I don't think he's playing just for himself. I think he's a competitor and wants to win a World Series, and maybe he is just playing for himself, but that's going to force him to be a team player in Philadelphia if he wants to win that championship, and he's not a stupid guy, and he's smart enough to realize that. Well, you brought up George Brett, who George Brett was a god. I loved George Brett. Um, Nolan Ryan. You, you, can't, you can't knock the express. But, yeah, those guys played hard. Yeah, those guys scrapped. But those guys, again, you look at every, everywhere Nolan Ryan went, California, Houston, Texas, he put up his own numbers. He, he carved his own place in baseball history. But he was a team player. If you look at all the things that have been said about guys like Brett, guys like Nolan Ryan, guys like Trout, guys like Betts, they are re- routinely referred to as team players. You look at Harper, you look at Machado, those guys <coughs> you don't hear from players use those guys in, in, in reports of team play, team chemistry, the rah-rah in the, in the clubhouse. You, you don't see that when it talks to those guys. Those guys have been known to be standoffish. You know, they keep to themselves in the clubhouse. Um, I look at it, David Justice when he went out to Oakland. He didn't want to be there. So he was in it for what he could get out of it. I see the same kind of thing in Harper and Machado that I saw in a David Justice. 
I, if you, I mean, if you look at Bryce Harper's first home run of the, of the year in the Phillies, that that place went electric, and his teammates were with him, and, and it's it's really starting to look like he he is kind of being that team player guy. And I realize Bryce Harper is the exception, not the rule, and that since he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at sixteen, people were touting him. Every team he was on, he was the star. He's the star. He's the star. So as as much as he may be in it for himself, it's the way he was kind of conditioned by the way he was brought up because everyone always had him as the centerpiece. He since was he the was second in coming. high school. He was the second coming. And I realized that Mike Trout's, I mean, endured a lot of the same things coming up, not to the, the magnitude of Bryce Harper, but I... I I don't think it's fair to for us to sit here and say what Bryce Harper's intentions are as a ball player. He's he's got an unfair amount of scrutiny, and he's I can think of two instances when Bryce Harper ever went off, and may, that you can maybe point to to say that he's a dirty player. He threw his helmet once, and it was a bad throw. He didn't hit the pitcher, and then he got into it with what's his name when he was with Washington, he, and and I can't remember his name, but if you guys know the story, look up the video of Bryce Harper getting in a fight in the dugout, and. The pitcher who he, the relief pitcher that he was fighting with is a guy who's known to t- to start shit with players on every team that he's been on. So I don't think it's fair in those two instances to talk about Bryce Harper that way. Manny Machado, there is, I think it's pretty clear that there's some maybe dirty intentions, but that's the drive to win that we loved about Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan used to hate on people all the time and talk shit on the court and getting guys' heads psychologically. Maybe he wasn't knocking guys out or stepping on their feet, but he was as much of a competitor as anyone, and he is, he is we want to be like Mike. You make a valid point. And, and you know, this year is going to say a lot for Herbert. How, how he fits into that Phillies clubhouse, you know, this this could be the opportunity for me to change my, my point of view on a player like Harper. Um, I, I think one of the other things when he was in Washington was they had the pitching staff, but they didn't have the bats, and Harper knew as long as he was there that he wasn't going to get anything out of it. You know, they weren't going to win a World Series title while he was in Washington. Now, now that he's at a different team, he's in a different clubhouse, he's among different players, different vision from the coaching staff. It, he could turn. He could turn my my opinion around. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens while he's out there. Right. And I have no problems admitting I'm wrong either. I'll be the first one to say it. If if he turns it around, I'll say it right here, for all of you to hear. That was my mistake. Right. Yeah, this definitely is a make-or-break year for Bryce Harper in terms of, in terms of public perception. So that's going to be the end of the podcast today, folks. I want to I want to finish it off with one question, one last question for Seamus, and I want you guys to ponder this one too. Um, who do you think would make a better porn star, Bryce Harper or Aaron Judge? Um. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Uh, Aaron Judge. <laughs>